0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Peace Country Musical Artist Podcast. And hopefully you enjoy the episode. Thank you. Okay, today's episode, we have Dwayne Steele on the line today. How's it going, Dwayne?
1: I'm doing good, Rob. How are you, man? Hey, Not too
0: bad. Not too bad. Good. So a lot of people from around this area know who you are. Um, but there's a lot of people out there, like we're, we're listening, we're heard in 25 different countries now, I do believe. Oh, awesome. So all of those people don't know who you are. So if you want, tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you grew up and everything.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I grew up. Uh, my name's Dwayne Bjorklund. I go by the, by the name Dwayne Steele, uh, professionally here as an artist in Canada. I grew up in the North Peace. Um, I was born in Fairview. Uh, at the old Fairview Hospital in 1962, and uh, my family at the time we were living in Worsley, and uh, Worsley, Alberta. And so, uh, you know, my my uh, childhood was bouncing back a little bit between Worsley and Hines Creek. We finally did end up settling in in Hines Creek. I think it was grade five or six or something like that. We moved back into Hines Creek, and I ended up spending uh, you know most of my life in Hinds Creek. So. That's where I grew up, and that's where my uh, my roots are, is up in that area. And uh, most of my family is still up in that area, and uh, family and many, many friends. So uh, I call it home still.
0: Oh, perfect. So there was a lot of a lot of children in your family, I I do believe.
1: Yeah, we had ten kids in our family originally. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So. Was there
0: a lot of music while you were growing up you well, know, there, around yeah. the household? And,
1: yeah, uh, you know, most of the music, and my earliest recollections of music, uh, Rob, came from, uh, you know, family get-togethers and stuff. I, one of my earliest uh, recollections is my Uncle Noel Ostrom would come by our place and stuff. Uh, you know, it seemed like he'd drop in once a week or so for a visit and stuff, but there he'd always end up you know, uh, bringing a guitar, or we had—I can't remember if he brought his guitar, or we had an old guitar in the house. It was—you know—these are early years back up in the Worsley times. And, but he'd always end up singing some songs, and we'd all kind of gather around him at the table. And Dad would play the fiddle, and Mom—Mom Mom had a beautiful voice, my mother—and uh, she would sing some songs and stuff too. So that's kind of the earliest recollection. And then from there, it sort of just stemmed into—you uh, know—the house party thing. Many of Mom's uh, brothers were, mu- you know, musical and played guitar and stuff like that. And dads, of course, you know, the Bertram family, all those, all those boys played fiddle or guitar or something like that. So uh, music was all around for sure. And uh, that, that really kind of fueled the fire, I think, for me, uh, musically.
0: Nice. So when you first started to play, um, what was your uh first instrument that you ever wanted to play or did
1: end up playing well the first instrument i i received and the first instrument i got was a guitar uh my sister audrey bought me a guitar i think when i was like nine years old i was just uh, we were all getting ready to do a talent contest but i got one for christmas um, it was just a little uh i don't even remember the name but it was like a K or something like that, just a tiny little guitar, you know, a student uh, kid model and stuff. And that, and, but it was the best thing I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know, that, you know, from there on, I, I, I remember trying to learn how to play. I think she knew some chords and teaching me chords back then, but I didn't really, really sort of start focusing on learning guitar while I was in my early teens and stuff. Uh, I remember that. But yeah, nine years old, I got my first uh, guitar, and that was my first instrument for sure.
0: Speaking of your younger years, like uh, who did you look up to to choose which instrument that you were going to play? Like I, I, you'd you said you got it for Christmas, but is that what you really wanted to play?
1: Yeah, well, that was the only instrument I really kind of knew of. You know, bat and fiddle and stuff like that, because that's the only thing that was ever around our house. Nah. Uh, like, we didn't have a stand-up piano or anything like that. Of course, I knew, you know, there was pianos, but, you know, very few homes, you know, had big stand-up pianos. I always loved those things. and uh, But, you know, we didn't have one or nobody played one that I knew of. So the guitar seemed like a, a great... uh great instrument because you could kind of take it around with you like like i say my uncles and they would drop in and family and friends would drop in with their instruments that they could haul around right so <laughs> guitar <laughs> was the perfect uh perfect mobile uh, instrument
0: <laughs> didn't take too much to set that up right <laughs> yeah
1: exactly yeah so did you play any other instruments now uh, yeah well i play bass like you know like Back in the day, I, I started playing bass in uh, the Rockin' Horse band, in the early incarnation of our uh, ba- a band we had called and Horse. So I play bass, and I still do a little bit, uh, you know, at home in my studio and stuff like that. And, and I plunk away on piano a little bit. I'm not gonna ever say I'm a piano player, but I can chord and stuff on a piano. You know, I know the keys and all that stuff. The guitar has been always my sort of main, my main go-to, and that's what gets me my songs and gets me through shows and stuff. So.
0: Well, speaking of, of the rock and horse days yeah you did play bass but you didn't always play bass in that band
1: that's right No, I uh, I played guitar originally, uh, rhythm guitar and stuff, I mean we had great guitar players always in that band with Dave Milner and uh, Renee Bovert and I think it was, we were in Lloyd Minster at a gig one time and uh, our bass player, I think it was um, I think it was Kurt Beagle was going to leave the band at the time and he, he had other things to do, he wanted to Go to work somewhere or whatever like that so he decided he was going to leave and so i got kind of just transitioned into Dave said there's a bass. here's how you play it <laughs> be on stage tonight <laughs> so was, was a, it was a craft course you know just like in bump a bump bump uh you know and uh in in bass. and i learned uh, i learned on the job put it that way <laughs>
0: Well, from what I remember, it was pretty good, though.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I eventually got to got got a hang of it. The, the hardest part for me, I was the lead singer, right? So I don't know if you ever tried this or not, but grabbing a bass and trying to sing a song and play the play the <laughs> the root five at the same time is not easy when you first do it. You know, um, there's a little awkwardness there, and you got to get kind of used to it. So that's kind of where I was with it.
0: Yeah, I, I tried that, and I cannot do it. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your favorite music growing up?
1: oh man I love all kinds of music really I mean you know my earliest uh, you know like I say my uncle Noel Ostrom used to drop in and he would sing songs by like uh, you know Porter Wagner and Johnny Horton and stuff like that so I I always loved those songs, um, And then my aunt Joni Bud um, had some records, and we used to go visit her and stuff all the time. Like she had Wilf Carter, and she had Jim Reeves, and Johnny Horton, and people like that. And I just remember, you know, going to her place as a as a very young child. The first thing I'd go run to was their record player, and just grab all the records and just start playing those records. (laughs) So I mean, my first my first uh you know recorded music and listening to was country music there's no question because that's what that's what was around that's what we had but uh, of course like many of us we uh we develop our musical tastes and i got into all kinds of different music when i was a teenager and stuff you know the the 70s pop rock the eagles Fleetwood mac all that stuff i loved it all and i just uh took it all in as much as i could you know i guess to, to narrow it down some of my earliest influences would have been those guys i talked about like jim reeves and uh, you know hank snow and porter Wagner, johnny horton but then it transitioned into like haggard and then the the pop rock stuff too like i say the the 70s rock stuff is just kind of instilled in my bones for sure
0: so out of all of those who do you think you're favorite artist or group or duo would have been?
1: Well, one of my favorite groups of all, well, I think my favorite group of all time has to be the Eagles. Uh, I mean, to me, they were sort of that, they were what we all kind of wanted to be. I think back in those days, like when you start in a band, it's like if you could sing and play like the Eagles, it was like a dream. To me, they were sort of, you know, they they were more a country band. When their first few albums Len, you know, we're leaning really hard towards country, country rock. And uh, I love that sound. Uh, I love groups like Alabama. And, uh, but I also love the singer songwriters like Merle Haggard and, you know, those guys, Rodney Crowell, people that wrote and played their own songs. Um, But I think uh, ultimately my favorite band ever has got to be the Eagles. That
0: seems like a going trend. A lot of, people that I talked to, Eagles is one of the biggest influences.
1: Yeah, I think they just they just picked off so many uh, so many points in terms of musicians and bands. Like, I mean, they, they sang, they had great songs. You know, there was upteen guitars in the band. <laughs> yeah, lots. <laughs> you know, they had a great singing drummer, uh, you know, and Don Henley and Glenn Frey. And, you know, they, they all could play and sing there butts off right so um, I mean it was a musician's dream to sort of aspire to be like like a band like that I think but I mean there are obviously lots of different talented bands and great bands and stuff that we're not touching on but I think for you know as a teenager growing up in the 70s like I was and that was their heyday um, it, it was just sort of uh, actually Daniel Jasinski, uh, our neighbor in Hines Creek was the first guy I remember walking home from Hines Creek uh, junior high because in like grade 7 and Dennis was probably in grade you know, 9 or 10 at the time he was older than me but he uh, he told me about the Eagles and then left me one of their one of his 8 tracks <laughs> and I was like <laughs> <laughs>
0: you gotta love those 8 tracks
1: yeah you gotta stick the match the match book <laughs> up underneath it to keep it from you wobbling know?
0: <laughs> I remember those days
1: Mm-hmm. what uh, what's the first album that you ever bought the, fir- the very first album I bought <laughs> I'd like to say it was one of those artists that we just talked about one of my favorite artists of all time but uh, in reality the first album I bought was a you remember a, a, a company called KHL I think we're out of Canada out of Ontario somewhere they're KHL records and they used to make these albums full of pop rock songs that were like a minute and a half long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they would just take like the best part of the song, like the first verse in a chorus and then repeat it over and over. <laughs> and that's the very first album I bought. And I remember where I bought it. I bought it at Dale Hawn's hardware store in Ice Creek at the time. You guys eventually ended up, uh, you know, having that store and stuff. But at the time, you could buy those records for like $3 or $4 or something like that. And I had to for a, a couple of a few bucks and i went and bought this album called fantastic and <laughs> uh that was the first record i ever bought <laughs>
0: fantastic
1: Well <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Nice>. on k-tail <laughs> k yeah
0: so when you were younger and and uh, i don't think this question is on the list you were i heard the story you were out working i think it was out in the bush and you you didn't really want to do that for a living. So I think I heard that it was Cat Erickson that said, oh, if you don't want to be here, get your ass out in the road and become a musician. <laughs> is is
1: that true? Is he well, a few people to, there was a few people told me that over the years. I mean Dennis Erickson definitely cat. Uh we definitely had some talks over that. But I, I think I know the the um story you're talking about and i'll i'll never forget it It was with bruce McAllister up there we were sitting in a landing uh i was logging and working at the time it was that would have been either i was either working for rick bassner or lou burns and and uh, i love working for those guys they're fine gentlemen and always treated us really good and stuff but i wanted to be a musician and you know, I would go from working there during the day and try and play, you know, in the in the bar at night. And I was just, you know, dragging it and dogging it, you know, kind of trying to <laughs> burn both, you know, the candle at both ends. Yeah. And I just remember talking to Bruce in his truck one time. He was getting loaded. We're sitting there. And he's like, man, you got to just, you know, you need to go do music. He said, that's what you that's what you're good at, that's what you should be doing. And I like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what feels right for sure. And uh, I think, you know, that that conversation definitely did, uh, did turn things around for me a little bit. And then it just kind of made me realize, that, you know, I got to, you can't, maybe it just instilled in me the idea that if I wanted to be a musician, I had to just go for it and not look back. So I, I did, I eventually just ended up playing music all my life and I was lucky enough to be able to do it you know for a living it's it's had its ups and downs like anything else in any other business but I have committed to it uh for my whole life and I have enjoyed it's been just a great way to make a living uh you know there's an independence to it and a self-sufficiency that just it's hard to describe really but it's it's fantastic
0: yeah. And that conversation, like you said, it just opened your eyes up to what you wanted to do with the rest of your life.
1: Yeah. And I knew I wanted that, you know, I just wasn't sure how to do, you know, like many of us, we come from a small town or whatever. And it's like, how do you get out to that other side? If you want to go, like for me, I'm like, okay, well, you know, there's great bands and I've got lots of great friends and, you know, we play music and have fun and everything, but how do I go to that next level and yeah. how do I get, out into you know other provinces and play like that so that was always a question yeah
0: well we're glad you did
1: well i'm i'm glad i did too well thank you Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so all your bands that you played in do you remember your first one yeah i totally remember my first one because it was uh northern sunrise <laughs> <laughs> oh nice I, I remember that one it, it's the first band marty marty Sader, my cousin marty uh, and my cousin Kevin, and uh their sister ada we started a band. I was, I think Kevin was like 14. I think Marty and I were 15 or so, and Ada was maybe 16 or so when we started that band. Uh, somewhere in that time area, like mid-early 70s, uh, and uh, that was our first band. And, our, you know, we played our first gig at the Hines Creek High School as a fundraiser. We were raising money for, it for uh, I think it was the grade 12, 11s, 12s. Somebody wanted to go to Europe, and we were raising money for them and we practiced up 10 songs and we played them over and over again all night <laughs>
0: <laughs> 10 songs
1: people seem to enjoy it they probably just didn't want to <laughs> they danced you know it's like play that one again yeah we are because we only have 10 in our repertoire <laughs> so that was your. and we were you know we were hooked from then on you know we got that and Once we we knew we were able to play some songs and get people up dancing and have a good time and the adulation and, you know, all the stuff that goes with it, it's just kind of like, it's like, okay, I love this music thing. It's fun.
0: (laughs) And when when you're playing for a hometown crowd, it's easier to get used to playing in front
1: of people. Yeah, I think we were probably petrified. <laughs> I remember being nervous as hell because I only knew three chords on the guitar, but I got to play 10 sounds with those three chords for a long time.
0: <laughs> well,
1: aren't most chord, are songs three chords anyways? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, you can get by with uh, three chords and the truth for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. So over the years, how many bands have you been in?
1: Well, I've been in uh, a few. Uh, I think it was Northern Sunrise was the first band. And then we had a band called Uptown Country, Harvey Ludbeck and Marty and uh, a guy named Russell Lovis. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was in that band. i'm being remiss here but we were four piece i was singing harvey played bass yeah so we had uptown country for a little while i was in a band with lenny kersbomber and some friends leon roy uh called rainbow country for a while up there Mm -hmm. um i was trying to play guitar i think i was filling in for someone at the time and lenny had uh, graciously asked me to come and be a part of that band for a little while so that was great um and then we started this uh band dave and Vince and i and uh and ted meldenberger some of us guys got together and we were called waterhole which and waterhole sort of became uh rockin horse (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i guess it'd be like four four bands i was in i was with the northern sunrise band we were together for like probably four or five years there it was like through junior high and into high school and stuff when we uh when we were together so we played together for quite a while and it was everybody was in school so we played weekends and stuff and that was awesome and then I oh Pittsburgh there was a band called Pittsburgh that's uh, at some point I ventured off there and did a little stint and Dave Milner was in the band that's how I ended up getting asked to go in that band I was with them for a little while that was my very first road gig and uh, that ended abruptly <laughs> 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 and I came home <laughs> he followed you back too didn't he uh, yeah they came home shortly after too but uh, and then we put together Rock rocking horse shortly after that so but it, it was fun it was it was good for me to go with that band because they were playing bars and stuff already and i had never done that kind of thing on that level so it uh, it was good for me to get out and have that pressure of playing and singing like that every night and uh, you know they were pretty accomplished musicians and stuff and Of course, Dave was with them, and they had a guy named Armand Pelche, and who was a fantastic fiddle player, guitar player, musician. So, yeah, it was all good.
0: Yeah, you said that was your first road band, and you played uh, all across Canada.
1: No, it was mostly just in Western Canada. We did well. We actually, I didn't really get out of Alberta with the band because. I, I I got fired. <laughs> oh, well, that's no <laughs> yeah. I was 19. I think I was 19 years old, and uh, we had gone down to I don't know. It just didn't wasn't working right or something didn't gel with the band. So uh, I got I got released, and uh, but it was then that I just realized that you know what I'm not taking no for an answer, and uh, went back home, and I, I didn't play for a little while, and then when Dave came back, you know, we just like let's just get a new band going, and would do it, do it ourselves and did it that way so that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me was uh you know leaving the pittsburgh band at the time and uh and going home and just kind of knuckling down on it regrouping yeah
0: so yeah then you guys started rocking horse and then uh you went from mm-hmm. there and you guys did a lot of traveling across canada into the yeah states. we
1: did yeah, rock, well no rocking horse mostly just played in canada we did go to the states uh in the 90s in the early 90s to do some uh, recording and stuff down in Nashville. We did a record out of Edmonton here with our friend Louis Sedmack, our first album, The Highways album. Mm-hmm. And then we um, got on the Nashville routes as well. We met a producer named Stu Bogart who took us down there. And we were working on doing some demos and pitching things in Nashville. And uh, that didn't pan out for us as a group, um, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, and then in the end, I ended up, Coming home and then going back down to Nashville, I had been offered a, a job as a songwriter down there, so I went and I took that job and sort of that's sort of where my solo career uh, kind of got its legs, I guess, if you will.
0: So, and it, you were there for how how long were you there for?
1: I was in Nashville for about six years. That's I a think while. It was the early part of '99 that I moved back to Canada. Uh, but it was it was fantastic, you know, my time down there working as a songwriter and trying to get a record deal. I was a, sang demos and as a session singer and stuff too as well to sort of supplement my income and, and everything. And I got to meet some great people and be, uh, you know, to live and work in that sort of musically inspired creative space every day. Is, it, it's inspiring to say the least and you kind of feed off that. So it was great to, to be a part of that.
0: big names that you met down there you're allowed to name drop
1: oh well, <laughs> well I met lots of people I mean uh, you know uh, Nashville's home to most of the big names and country music on the planet so there was lots of people around all the time like at the time there was I worked with a producer named Mike Clude and Steve Bogart who were working in turn with uh, Diamond Rio and Black Hawk and stuff like that so those those kind of people those people were around all the time Uh, in and out of the studio so I met many of those people from you know Diamond Rio and Blackhawk and uh, you know Steve Earl had a studio right beside us so I met Steve Earl and had a chat with him one time and you know Garth Brooks met him in the elevator you know people were around like they just they live and work in Nashville so you were sort of running into people all the time not maybe not working all the time you know you weren't working with these people but uh, when you're working in that you know, around town and stuff like that. These people are working all around you. So, so they're all over the place. And it was great to sort of meet and see some of these people that were that, that were my heroes, you know, musically and stuff like that. We even ran into Steve Winwood, a pop rock artist down there one time. I think it was our first rock and horse trip, uh, which was pretty exciting. Yeah.
0: So what's your favorite memory?
1: My favorite memory of, of music, of doing music? Or, or your
0: favorite me- uh, memory down in Nashville, and then your. Oh
1: well, I mean, what, I I I think one of my first the, going down there, I think for the first time was will always stick with me. Um, mm-hmm. It was a little, uh, it was a, it was exciting, but a little bit of an eye opener too. When I first went to Nashville in the early nineties, it was sort of a little. Um, downtrodden maybe I mean it wasn't what I expected I expected lights and glitter like the Vegas thing you know coming from (laughs) coming from Hines Creek to Nashville you know it's an older southern city and that's what it was and I mean Nashville's come a long way in the 25 30 years even since I've been there they've rebuilt and expanded things and uh you know it's but it was still a cool vibe I just we got there on a rainy night you know and we went into town and there was this guy singing at the top of music row. He was, you know, sort of at the time, Garth Brooks was huge. And this guy was singing, sort of emulating Garth Brooks. And there was like two people sitting on these benches in front of him. And I just thought, wow, this is Nashville. And it was it was sort of anticlimactic. I mean, but again, that was our that was day one, basically, right? Yeah. Uh, after we were there for a few days and got to meet people and be around and and started, uh, you know, seeing what the city had to offer, it changed a little bit. But I'll just never forget that first day, thinking, you know, we got to town, there was nobody around, and this guy was singing there by himself. That inspired a song for me called Johnny's Dream, a lyric called Johnny's Dream that I recorded. Um, that experience really and uh, I'll never forget my first trip to Nashville it was you know it was probably one of the one of the best things that ever happened to me uh, as a musician just going down there and but then going in you know meeting the people that were to become a huge part of my career uh, because of it as well like Steve and Mike and doing some recording with the boys in the band at the time it was rocking horse and just having some fun down there it was uh that was one of the most memorable experiences for me
0: perfect Yeah. so Dwayne, do you have a favorite venue and do you still play there
1: oh my goodness <laughs> uh that's a that's a good question i was thinking about that um I mean, I've got to play in lots of different places over the years, Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, you know, one of the highlights of my career playing was going over and helping the Canadian Armed Forces in 2006 and eight. Like, we went to Afghanistan and Bosnia and places like that. And it, it, those were cool gigs and great experiences and stuff. But I, I got to go back to, this might sound corny or whatever, but uh, the new Grand Hotel in Fairview, the Eureka River Hall in Eureka River was was basically the the formation of where I came from as an, as a musician and an artist we must have put, we played hundreds of dances and shows in that, that hall when I was a kid with Northern Sunrise and with other you know and going there to listen to other bands you know the sundowners and the Bensons and all the bands the groups that were around during that time um, it was just awesome you know george lungard had a band too and it was it was great so that that old hall up there i the old original one and then i know they made a new one or there's a new one which is, is old now too but, <laughs> and we played in that new one but the eureka river hall in uh eureka river and the new grand hotel are probably my uh you know two of my Favorite venues ever. Uh, I think just because I have so much time and so much learning and so much uh, life experiences in both those places musically, and you know, friendships and stuff like that were were brought to fruition in in those places and uh, I got I got to give kudos to those two venues as being my most favorite venues, and I don't play at either of them anymore. <laughs> So what's
0: the biggest crowd you've played for?
1: Um, the biggest crowd I've ever played for, I think, other than on TV. Uh, we did some TV shows back in the 90s. Uh, but we did these uh, Say Hey concerts back when uh, farmers were needing hay. And there was. I, I'm trying to remember the year now. I think it was in the early 2000s, something like that. Uh, there was a there was a movement to, to bring some artists together and do these say hey concerts. So we got to play in both Edmonton and Calgary at the uh, at the time it was the Coliseum in Edmonton and then the uh, Saddledome in in uh, Calgary, and they were both sold out. So I mean we're talking 17,000 people. And uh, to my knowledge, right now those are the biggest crowds I've ever played for. Do yeah. you have
0: aspirations to play at a stadium,
1: a football stadium, or anything like that? not really no. i mean i mean i i would play i to be honest with you i'll play anywhere if there's anybody willing to listen to me sing and play or <laughs> <laughs> that want me to do it but uh you know those the one thing i do find about and those venues are cool and it, and it's great to have that feeling and know that there's that many people out there hearing and stuff but i honestly like smaller venues where you can sort of uh Hear and feel and interact with the audience better. Uh, I don't know if I, how to describe that other than there's just a, a more of a personal, you know, attachment to the audience and to the artist. I think in smaller venues and smaller theaters, you know, like you know, four or five hundred seaters for me, are, I just love that kind of a situation. Uh, you know, if you've got those places full and you've got an audience in your in the palm of your hand, like there's no better feeling. And when you're in those bigger venues and you're playing to, like, say, outdoor country music festivals and stuff like that, it's a, there's a there's some kind of a detachment that happens in the performance, um, and it's not, you know, I I don't know how to describe it other than that you just can't get that audience close enough to you.
0: <laughs> well, you're on a bigger stage, say, like a, at an outdoor, like yeah. big valley, yeah. big valley or yeah. or crazy. yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I love doing those kind of shows, but it's not the same as when you're addressing and talking to a intimate crowd in a small venue, but uh, I mean, they both have their merits, but I, I prefer, personally, I prefer smaller venues, the, like the Fairview College Theatre, that kind of a situation where, you know, you've got the people just there, and uh, you can see everybody, and you can sort of talk to, it's almost like you talk personally to everybody, so it's kind of cool that way.
0: Yeah. Well, like this new show that you guys have uh that you're rehearsing for the the dinner theater at uh, where the mayfield
1: yeah we're doing the yeah we're doing a show called nashville outlaws uh a a reprise i guess of the nashville outlaws uh or revival if you will which we did 14 years ago Um, we're doing the life story of waylon jennings willie nelson and, and johnny cash and uh i'm doing some waylon jennings songs and Playing Waylon Jennings, so it's fun. It's it's a great experience, and I'm uh, looking forward to starting it on February 1st here.
0: And that runs how long? Did
1: uh, it runs for two months. It runs till April 3rd, from February 1st till April 3rd, I think. Perfect. Yeah, you can go on to uh, mayfield Dinner mayfield.ca. The shows are all posted there and stuff. Yeah, I went to see Buddy, which is running here right now, and uh, they have a great, you know, it's a great show in itself, and uh, you know the dinner here is just top-notch the, the dinner buffet and stuff so it's, it's pretty cool time for you know a couple to go out and have a good night
0: and that'd be like uh, the size of venue you're talking about where you could actually
1: interact with the crowd and everything too right yeah i think it's about 400 just over 400 people here at the, at the main sure. yeah well,
0: that's a nice little venue yeah. so is there a worst crowd or venue or do you want to discuss anything like that
1: i don't really get into that too much it's like Anybody that's that has thought I've been worthy of hiring <laughs> I'll give them credit, you know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bash any, any venue or anything like that. So uh there was a funny time, I think it was the northern sunrise or rock and horse band. We were playing at a venue somewhere. It was up in the north peace somewhere and a rubber boot came flying out of the crowd and hit me in the head. But that's the only time I was there. a rubber boot. Somebody must have thought we weren't that good, so I got a rubber boot chucked at me. But uh, if you're talking about experiences, that was probably the worst I've ever had to endure. (laughs) I've heard of underwear and shoes
0: being thrown on stage, but never a rubber boot before.
1: (laughs) Rubber boot. (laughs) Hopefully it wasn't raining, the guy would have had stuff. He's had (laughs) You might not have been that smart and went, oh, I just threw away my rubber boot. Now I got to walk home. (laughs) 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 Well, one boot willy.
0: (laughs) So do you have a, uh, a musical bucket list? Is there anything that you'd still like to achieve?
1: There is. Well, aside from keeping playing music, Rob, I've been playing music for, oh, my God, some years for sure I've mm-hmm. been playing music and making my own music and singing other people's songs and stuff I want to continue to do that but I still just as a songwriter I think my thing is like'm I'm, I'm hitting the big 60 here coming up this year so I want to continue to make music and and I think if I could write that song I'm still looking for a hit song you know to have I, I want to
0: like a experience, number experience
1: yeah I want to experience that feeling of having your song and not even for myself like i i want some artists some up-and-coming young artist out there to you know either work with that artist write a song for someone that can you know that everybody loves and every, you know i think as a songwriter that's still my one goal that i haven't got yet and i want to experience it is just to write that that number one song or that song that everybody knows and loves you know like, there's so many of them, but I just want to be included in those thousands.
0: <laughs> Something that would be timeless.
1: Yeah, 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 that kind of a thing. I want to just kind of, I want to experience that, Yet, So I'm going to keep working at that and keep writing and keep trying to explore where music's going to take me, you know, for the next phase of my career and stuff and just keep working a way to achieve achieve that, and that's going to be my number one goal, I think, and just to still maintain making a living playing music and and having, uh, you know, the, the joy that it brings, uh, just being able to perform to and end. do music for a living. So
0: yeah. if you could play for any artist or group, dead or alive, who would you want to play with?
1: Well, like all darn Vince Gill already stole my job. <laughs> it would be, it would be the Eagles, <laughs> but he did a he did a fantastic job, man. Yeah, that would be a, that would be a dream gig. I think playing with the Eagles. Uh, there's many many artists out there and stuff, but you know I think when a Rush like being that you know it's your favorite band and it's it's the band that you grew up on and yeah. You know, or one of the bands that you grew up on and was, was one of the, you know, the premier influences in your life as a eventual artist and uh, as a musician. I think it'd be pretty cool to do something like that.
0: I agree with you. Yeah. Well, here's the last question. It's not on the list. All right. It's not on the list. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what can you tell us about you that nobody knows?
1: Something that nobody knows. Something about me. Something
0: about you that no one knows that you can actually share.
1: Geez, that's a good question. My life is sort of an open book. (laughs) 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 Well, I don't think a lot of people know that I produce records, music, and stuff. A few years ago, and I mean, I've always worked on my own stuff a little bit, to a degree, and stuff. But Mm you know, I recently there's a young artist named steve arsenal i've been working with and i produced and uh did you know the recordings and mixed and mastered it uh not mastered but mixed i'm pretty uh pretty happy about that we're just really just about to release a second single but i'm not sure that's what you're asking me either (laughs) um i think you're asking something more personal yeah yeah that's a good one bob that's a tough question that's a i'm uh but like you I'm said, being an open
0: an open book, you're writing songs, and you're just opening up
1: to everyone. Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of that stuff is is in some of my songs and stuff. Of course, I haven't uh, experienced everything in the songs I write and stuff like that. But uh, something that nobody knows.
0: Yeah. Do you have
1: like a daily routine? Nobody. There's that
0: one little thing that
1: you do when you. No, go my out of day bed. my day is pretty much chaos from the time I wake <laughs> up. I never know what I'm doing from <laughs> the next, unless someone has planned it for me, like in this case where I have, you know, I've got rehearsal in an hour here for the next six hours, And oh, but it's like, I can follow those, uh, you know, no, I, that's a good question.
0: Do you, do you like to speed? Do you drive fast?
1: I do drive fast. Oh, well, do you? you know, the guys in the band say I drive like an old woman, but if I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that. That's probably not a nice thing to say. Like an older person, an older... Like, you know, <laughs> and I am an older person. Well, it, when I'm you... with, when I'm by myself, I'll drive fast, right? But if you, I, if but you I, want, I can if get... I got a, if I got a crew full of people, I'll drive slow. But no, I, if I had to leave something with you, I, being able to do music and everything for a, life, a living, Uh, And and being able to do this for all of my life has been an absolute pleasure and stuff. But I I don't think people would realize that I would give it even that I would give it all up tomorrow for my family, for my wife and my son and our little dog that those three things in my life are kind of the end all of end all. And and I would I would give it all up tomorrow uh, if I had to make a decision and I couldn't do it anymore I would do that yeah. I like that
0: well I appreciate the time that you've uh, you've donated
1: to us today Dwayne. thank you for uh, reaching out Rob and it was a pleasure talking to you after I've seen you for many years and so I can't wait to hear our little jabber session <laughs> thanks again Rob I appreciate it
0: and like I said thank you for joining us Matt. Yeah. that's it for another episode of peace country musical artist podcast i'm your host ron harcourt and join me next time when we interview another amazing musician from the peace country thank you and bye for now